Welcome to Parents on Pictures podcast. I'm Damien. I'm Andy. I'm Matt. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every episode is we take a film from a popular streaming platform like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, even YouTube. And then after we've all seen that uh, movie or whatever it is that we've decided to pick for that episode, we come in here and we discuss it. And this episode, we've got Sam's choice. So Sam, why don't you introduce and tell us a bit about the plot? So my choice for this plot is A Quiet Place. Uh, It's been one that's been on my list uh, for a little while. Um, it's, uh, I guess you'd call it kind of maybe, uh, uh, is it a thriller? Is it a horror? Is it sci-fi? It's kind of a bit of all of those. And we're picking up with this family who are uh, seemingly in a post-apocalyptic, um, environment. We know that there's some lurking secret going on and that the basic premise is that they can't make any noise. And we find out very soon into the film why it is that they can't and what the consequences are if they do make any noise so did anybody just out of interest get an opportunity to see this at the cinema when it was released i wish i had but no no so yeah this released in 2018 i went to the cinema to see this and the only reason i bring it up is because it has got to be one of the most bizarre cinema experiences i've ever been to because as you can tell from the, the plot, a lot of the film is in a lot of silence. There's very little talking whatsoever. And it wasn't all that packed when I went. I think I got a daytime viewing uh, due to what I do for work. I work in most evenings, so that's what I usually have to do. And everybody was desperately trying to stay quiet because you could hear everything in the cinema. The complete lack of uh, sound in a lot of the spaces in this film was so bizarre as far as a cinema experience goes. It was one of the weirdest experiences that I'd had in a long, long time. But in my opinion, it was really effective. I know, I I had to turn at home. Go ahead, Matt. I was was saying I had to uh, turn my... um my fish tank filter right down. <laughs> Sorry, Larry, lack of oxygen, but it was... Uh, this film's more important it, than your lungs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> your gills. <laughs> well, luckily, he's got a labyrinth lung and he can come to the surface and get water uh, to get oxygen. But um, yeah, it, it, even, even that was, was, was too loud and frustrating me during the film. Uh, oh. Yeah, very quiet. Did, you, I, I, was, I, I was making notes and uh, clicking my pen and then it got about 10 minutes in and my wife was like if you're if you are not going to stop clicking that pen we are not watching this film (laughs) Uh, so really hard not to (laughs) wow no i think the uh the the sound production for this was was really really well done um very unusual but i think they did something quite smart with it rather than just have the whole film in silence you were um privy to the normal sounds that you would get and I, I want to almost say those this when you did hear sound it was amplified mm. so they were almost exaggerating those you know if there was a, something fell over it didn't just fall over it fell over and it you know it made an impact um and I really liked that because it made everything seem so much more urgent and exciting I, th- I think they did perhaps mute some of the n- noises though. So in the, in the beginning when they're um, going around the shop and they're being very careful moving things, um, 
I was expecting to hear the the things move slightly when they're put down, and and, and it felt like they were perhaps muting some some noises and amplifying others. I think. Okay. I think. Well, I I I knew uh, what was coming probably just from seeing clips or maybe even I think it might have even been in the trailer um, uh, what was coming with the the little boy and the spaceship and so I was kind of thinking I know that there is going to be this big moment with sound so it makes sense that like you say Matt that everything else was kind of dialed down a little bit so that it was more impactful mm. when that moment um, came um, yeah I think one of the things that we should talk about because after watching this i mean i went to the cinema to see it i've probably seen it four times on netflix since one of the things that i wanted to discuss before we go into lots of detail about the film is obviously the premise is we assume they're aliens there's no explanation of origin etc etc because it actually throws us what 86 days after the event and that's where the film starts so there's none of this build up and uh explanation of apocalypse you might get in some films but um how in the heck would you actually be able to survive in a situation like this because i was thinking that i get up in the morning and i stretch and when i stretch it's gotten to that age now where i groan as i that's it i'm done i've created too much noise and i've just woken up how First thing I do when I wake up is fart. Like that's gonna attract <laughs> monsters from all over. <laughs> well, I, I guess I get. Well, I guess the the it's all that thing. I probably one of the things that will come through that I'll come back to is that I I think this is like a it's a concept movie, and often kind of science fiction movies are they just have something central, and often that's where everything either goes wrong or goes right, and I think that is one of those elements where if you say okay so the concept here is simply they can't make any noise otherwise terrible things happen mm -hmm. um so then how do we build in everything else to actually make this a, a story that makes sense and obviously they have a uh the daughter who's deaf so they already Thank have an advantage <laughs> yeah yeah good good for them good for her um so they already have an advantage in the fact that they don't have to speak i guess we see further on in the movie there's kind of those little scraps of um newspaper articles and things like that um i so that kind of makes sense i probably and again my, my other thought was uh these are people who seem to be making the best out of this terrible situation it's very um they look very cool very happy with their sort of urban rustic sort of uh chic going on um so there was a little bit of me that was thinking yeah they seem to be making all the right moves but then they're not but clearly not because we see the tragedy um, early on. Um, but yeah, I, I likewise, I, I don't think I was, I guess on a serious note, just thinking about how to keep, how you keep a child quiet. It's just impossible in, so, in normal life. So many times during the film, I was going, not a chance. <laughs> I've worked with children for 10 years, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Even if their lives depended on it, not a chance. I, I came into this film not knowing the premise at all. I, I kind of guessed that it was it was going to be about being quiet in, in some kind of way, but I didn't I didn't know anything at, at all about this film. What gave it away? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's an he's an insightful fellow. <laughs> I didn't I didn't expect it to to be, to have so little dialogue. Mm. To be perfectly honest, that really did take me by surprise. 
Did it frustrate you? Um, so uh, one of one of my favourite films, uh, Spring, a uh, Spring, Spring, Summer, Autumn, Winter, Spring. It's a Korean film, and it, it has even uh, less dialogue than this, um, and it's um, it's fantastic. This this frustrated me. I felt like for a film with such small amount of dialogue they could have done a bit more with it with with the, the camera and, and ah. that, that's just me i thought um well no i think that's a valid point i think so, but, so i think for what is a mainstream hollywood film they've merged hollywood with indie to create mm-hmm. this kind of uh i don't know yeah <laughs> I know what you're saying, Andy. I think like for for maybe a lot of people that that their what they generally watch is more mainstream. Mm-hmm. That something like this would be really different and incredibly different. You know, for for people that watch um, a wider range of cinema, international cinema, all sorts of different things, it probably wouldn't be that surprising, and it probably would feel maybe a little bit derivative. But I think you're right. I think. I, I personally think you know for someone that it would be quite effective um, for someone that's not used to that kind of approach especially in uh, a um i don't know if you're expecting kind of like a quite 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 loud sort of um uh, horror film um that it doesn't kind of go that way too much mm-hmm. oh, i wonder if it's more it's a niche concept in a hollywood environment mm. Because mm. the the budget for this thing was seventeen million dollars, which is not indie by any means. But when mm. you consider what Hollywood is prepared to front for films these days, it's tiny, tiny budget. And correct me if I'm wrong, it's directed by John Krasinski, but it wasn't it also written by him as well. So this was his yeah. concept, and stars his wife as well. <laughs> yes, it does. Emily Blunt. Mm. Yeah. Oh, was it? Was it? Yeah. See, I'd, I'd read some, I don't know, maybe it was, um, I don't know whether there was some other people involved. I don't know whether he, whether John Krasinski wrote it, but I, I, I read somewhere that a, the couple of guys that were involved were certainly uh, involved in kind of the Universal Monsters series and that this at one point ah. was going to be a storyline that was going to be involved in that. But actually, and this kind of ties in, I guess, with the whole sort of just take, going away from Hollywood was that they said they they said there are enough sequels there are enough franchises there are enough cinematic universes let's just make a good film right. or, yeah. you know let's just let's just take this and make it standalone it doesn't what? need to be anything else which of course now is <clears throat> I, I guess they either backed up the money uh, money cart or as John Krasinski said he wouldn't do a second one unless he could come up with a good idea but of course even though it's stuck in COVID hell right now in terms of release schedules A Quiet Place 2 is coming yeah. which you know, you know whether you like it or hate it uh, it means it's something to look forward to or completely avoid now what got me was at the end because the end leaves you on that kind of typical Hollywood cliffhanger you know what's actually happened you don't really know you can make up your own end and whatever and I want to know if John Krasinski is going to be back for A Quiet Place 2 because when he did the announcement I can't remember if it was on Twitter or Facebook or wherever I saw it but it said it's going to have all of the original cast in it which to me is he's going to be in it yes now I can I can tell you through having seen some of the trailers that at, at the moment the only thing that they've really shown is the fact that 
he is in some of the storytelling with regards to flashbacks because you get to see a little bit of how this, these events unfold, like how they get to where they were in A Quiet Place, the first one. Um, so he's definitely in flashbacks, but that is not to say that he is not uh, alive in A Quiet Place too, because as we well know in Hollywood, is that if you don't see a body, they're not necessarily dead. Mm -hmm. And I know that we've literally jumped straight to the end uh, and and spoiled it, but (laughs) he is assumed uh, dead at that point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump straight back to the beginning because I I was, uh, now I I usually make informal notes as I was going, but I, I got on board with this quite a bit. And so I made a few notes, but what I wanted to bring up because I always bring it up and I always hold it against a film when they do, this thing they go straight into it and there's no explanation there's no text there's no preamble i'm I'm just going to remind you damien of when we did what was that zombie film with martin freeman oh yeah um uh, i can't remember and i really liked it as well cargo 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 and you said that was one of the main things that you liked about that was that they didn't give you they didn't exactly and that's your exact words but you said i i hate it when they hate uh, it they give hate it and that's exactly sorry i apologize if i wasn't clear that's exactly where i was going with my point right sorry the okay. fact, you know absolutely the fact that they didn't explain this was brilliant because they showed everything yeah. they established that the daughter was deaf by just giving you a shot of the cochlear implant they established that you couldn't make sound because right at the beginning everything is quiet the way that emily blunt is very slowly lifting up bottles of pills gives you an idea of exactly how little sound they can actually make in my opinion in terms of opening a film this was damn near perfect because it showed you everything and told you nothing which unfortunately for me was a little bit undercut by the constant bombardment in certain scenes of newspaper articles and headlines it's like it's sound and you know don't talk and be quiet it's like if you i i get that some people might still need that explanation but what they showed was so clear you didn't need it. And that actually took me out of the film for a second because like, you've crafted this so beautifully from literally the first scene. And then you kind of undercut it a little bit by just chucking these media articles in. So in terms of like setup of this universe, this world, that's probably my only critique, but I thought it was, I don't like to use hyperbole very often, but I'd, I'd say it was a masterclass in how to show and not tell. I thought it was brilliant. Right. In yeah, I'd, I'd, um, I'd agree, I think, with some of the early concept. I was making a few notes just on those early scenes, just saying that there, that there was something that I, I, was, I was looking out for it because I'd seen it highlighted or maybe heard in a, in a review. But there's, when, when the camera sort of pans past the, the, uh, the shopping aisles in the supermarket and you see that the one shelf or aisle that is completely stocked is all of the packs of crisps. Yeah. Potato chips <laughs> yeah. here in America. But then it, and, <laughs> And it was, um, yeah, th- those those were the little touches where you, they'd clearly thought about how they could do this. Like you say, show show don't tell. Um, normally we get normally we get an entire movie of origin story or yeah. exposition um, with these kind of things. I'm thinking of like, say, a comparison would be like maybe the 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 re the remake of the Planet of the Apes. 
And yeah. I quite like I quite like those movies, but the first one, I know you probably could have almost jumped into the second one and not worried about the first one, um, in some senses. Um, just I guess that is quite an interesting origin story. But I, I'm personally, I am a big fan of just being thrown in and being confused and then you know, finding out what's what's happening. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I like it when you know, a series of stories start somewhere in the middle uh, because, it, you know, you just have to go in and accept what you're being shown in terms of this universe that they've created because the origin story in itself is completely fictional. So what does it matter? Just enjoy the ride that you're on. Let's throw a curveball in here. Um, I, I, I would have liked a bit more of a, um, a backstory, especially on on the characters. Um, I felt like the the... The, the the characters were were rather flat because we didn't know anything about their their past um, and I was just frustrated by their decisions left right and center um, you know leaving the child walking behind um, on yeah. its own um, choosing to live in a house that looks like it's made out of corrugated iron that's gonna echo when you hit it and not live next to the waterfall you know it was, it was full of these because we, I had no backstory, um, I was just judging them on 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 their the, the mm. their current mistakes, I guess. And 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 the 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 story with the with the father and daughter that that felt almost crammed in um, because there was no no history to that. I I think I think you're right in a sense. I don't know if I'd agree with you as as far as that matter, but I think that. There were certainly for me there were trade-offs going on during this during this movie, um, and I think it was almost the uh, the kind of very visual introduction at the start meant that we probably couldn't get into the characters as much, and you just kind of had to go one way or the other, and you're going to sacrifice some things with one and 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 uh, and gain some things uh, in that sense. So I do agree with you. I I would say for the most part I agreed with maybe some of those those trade-offs. Um, and then there were maybe a couple that I didn't agree with, um, mm -hmm. uh, but I, yeah, I, I I agree that you kind of you you kind of have to fall one way or the other and see what you're going to amplify and what you're going to um, sort of remove. Mm. Good point, and I absolutely take what you mean, Matt, because one of the things that I never really felt was an attachment to the characters. They absolutely went through tragedy. But I think you're right. I think that if if maybe we had gotten to know them a bit more, it would have been much more than just my ability to um, relate or empathize with the characters because I myself am a father of a very young uh, or very young children. And there would have been a bit more to it had the characters been fleshed out, which we didn't mm -hmm. get because they were, yeah, showing everything. I hadn't thought about it no. that way. Now, I'm a much simpler being than the rest of you, and I bought into these characters so much. I, when um, at the end, where John Krasinski dies, and, or we allegedly dies, or whatever, uh, I, was, I was really bought into that. I mean, I was pretty upset by it. It really got me. And, yeah. I think um, I, I, I would probably say for me, the thing that won it back for me, what were the performances? If it hadn't been for the performances, and I have to admit here, hold my hands up and say, I do hold a bit of a torch for Emily Blunt. Um, I'll just watch anything that she's in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you see Mary Poppins? But, 
actually, no, I haven't actually. Nor have oh, I. Um, get on it. It's good. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, that would probably be one that my daughter would enjoy. So I'll, I'll, I'll bear that one in mind. But certainly, the, the scene on the bridge with the, with the, the little boy, and you do think, oh, would you know, can't believe they've let him lag behind all that sort of thing. But the, the look on her face, mm. and, and I wrote down just like she, she knows right yeah. then she knows what's happening there's nothing there's nothing that can be done and and again and i do think that the characters for me were kind of like even think about it now the way that john uh, john krasinski's character runs and he's the man of action he has to fix everything he has to do she knows he doesn't know yet and he's still going to run and he's still going to try mm -hmm. um and then and, and and that for me that probably made it whilst yeah there were kind of some big gaps then that maybe you could say left you a little bit less emotionally attached i felt that was enough for me there to, to get everything just in that performance so, i think oh sorry andy go for it i was gonna say the way you feel about emily blunt is the way i feel about john krasinski i might not be quite as attracted to him <laughs> after emily blunt but i am obsessed with john krasinski we have a very big the office fan here oh my goodness i <laughs> I don't even know how many times I've watched the, uh, each episode of The American Office, but it has to be close to 10 times for each episode. I love it, and I love him. Um, and I love him as a person. I don't know if you've seen what he's been doing during lockdown, but he's got his own uh, positive news channel on YouTube. And it's just brilliant. It's wonderful. So I love him. And so I wonder if my attachment to him within the film wasn't so much his performance, um, but was more to do with my... Um, Affinity let's, call it, man. let's call it an obsession. My obsession. It's with a man crush. Yeah, you're, allowed, you're allowed a man crush. <laughs> of course. Um, so after the the small child was was taken on the bridge, I wanted um, each family member to be taken off mm. one by one until there was think, one left at the end. I think what's important yeah, is that's, well. how, that's how distant I was from the characters. I was quite happy to see. Monster. It was going to be that kind of film, and I was I was disappointed it wasn't. But I, I think that was both the genius and a little bit maybe of the letdown of the film, is that by, by killing off this four-year-old child right at the beginning of the film, it set a tone instantly. Mm. Not a single one of these characters is safe, because the biggest problem that I find with horror films, or thriller horrors, however you want to kind of uh, label this, is that you always have your hero or heroine so you can usually figure out who's going to survive by the end of the film and it takes all the jeopardy away but because they did that right at the beginning and the film said no we are prepared to end anybody's life on this is that you didn't know or at least i don't think you were supposed to know who was and was not going to make it and so as in terms of storytelling i thought it was really effective but I think in terms of impact, you again, you're right, Matt, and I hadn't thought about it, is that you didn't get a lot of time with the characters to form an attachment. Um, and, I, I wonder, and I wonder whether, again, this is where the movie is borrowing and using from, genre, from, from different genres, but not diving in completely. Now, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. But I could imagine that someone that's watching this who is a fan of horror would say this is horror light, this is diet horror, mm. um, because it's it's touching on the tropes, but it's not it's not completely going going for it. For me, not a problem. But I could see why why that might be a, a, a I don't know a a critique a criticism for some people. I thought it was interesting at the beginning where you said it was, it's a horror, it's a thriller, it's science fiction. Actually, I don't know what it is. 
because it does it fits into so many different mm. categories in terms of its genre it really is quite open in that sense and it touches upon lots of the stereotypes from lots of genres and so i think and you know i don't know if, if i'm right in this but i think that would make it massively appealing to a really broad audience in that sense well let's let's have a very quick look actually because i know that it was made for 17 mil um okay as far as it goes not bad it made uh, i think it was 55 million dollars at the home box office which is really good but the overall box office was 340.9 million dollars yeah. for 17 million dollars so i think you're right you had mass appeal and horror films unless they've got or even if you move away from horror films rated 15 or rated 18 or r or whatever the countries call it where it is those types of films don't do massively well unless there's a reason to see it i'm thinking of different genre but sort of similar uh, age ratings like deadpool something like deadpool well, they've been making superhero films for you know years now, but they would never often go into the uh, 15 or 18 because it cuts off half your audience. But then something like A Quiet Place seemed to have that kind of mass appeal in spite of its age range. What is its age rating? I think it's a 15. Okay. Yeah, it couldn't be much higher than that. There wasn't really any... Well, this is not a lot of gore or, you know, no sex, nudity, language, nothing that would normally tip those boxes. So I may have actually been incorrect, but I'll, I'll double check. Um, well, well is looking at that. Um, we're all dads and we're all relatively recently dads, as in we're quite new to this in the grand scheme of things. And um, do you think that since being a dad, you have more empathy for the outcomes of children in films than you did before you were a dad? Oh, good Am question. I, Great I know, question. I'm not sure if I'm being clear when I say that. No, I know what uh, you mean. I, I, no, I, I, don't, I know what you mean. I, I think I, I felt like after we had Amelie that every single news story that I listened to on like or saw on TV or anything like that was basically children getting hurt, murdered, abused and everything. And so I was like, is, is this just been going on before? And I've only just noticed it now because I'm more, uh, I don't know, I've got more of an attachment. But yeah, I would I would agree and say that maybe I'll probably watch movies in a different way. And there are things that um, maybe have more of an impact. I mean, uh, for, I guess it, it depends what, what things you go through. Um, in uh in life and uh, but then not always uh, i was i was thinking about um i don't know just things like pixar movies always like kind of kick you they just like kick you when you're down um because they'll get you right in the feels and and um there, there are different sort of like i was thinking of like the start of up um mm -hmm. when you go through that that silent movie section yeah. and and then you have the the and again this is an that similar I'm, I'm trying to think, how did I get to this point? But actually, another show don't tell. You have literally two seconds of the couple in the doctor's uh, office um, when they clearly can't get pregnant. Um, and man, that hit me in a different way um, after after having a daughter. And not that I'd been through that, but it just I was just like, oh, imagine, imagine going through that that kind of experience. So the long and meandering meandering answer to your question is yes i do <laughs> i do think you know i probably look at things a bit differently now yeah 
in in terms of your point andy as well there is uh very quickly back to the film they lose their four-year-old son and then you know many many did like it was it a year and a half or something like that later you find out that emily blunt is pregnant Quick, let's just that is properly irresponsible. That is my major gripe with this film. We, yeah, that that is, isn't it? Because babies cannot be quiet no matter what. I mean, I I even wrote in my notes, quietest baby in the world, right? Um, But leading on from that, pregnant gives birth, and there is a scene in this that I know affected me because I'm a dad, and it's when John Krasinski to keep the baby from being heard, puts an oxygen mask Mm. on the newly born baby's face, places him in what is basically a coffin and closes the lid. And it was at that point Mm. in the cinema where I was like, I, I felt physically afraid for this baby. Whereas I know that if I wasn't a father, I would, in my mind, I would have just written that off as another character beat. You know, this is something they have Mm. to do to survive. Fine. But the fear for that child's life that has like, what if the oxygen mask fails? What if the gas canister is not connected properly? What if it actually does scream and it can hear it through the box? The emotions running through my head, there's no way I would have felt like that had I not been a father myself. Oh, I, I, I said tape it up and go and drop the book the box in the wood get rid of the baby god it's going to grow up to be a nightmare you know in this situation a toddler seriously <laughs> who is this guy we're sharing the podcast with because he's like an actual monster he, he's he's one of them he's one of them. No, you just reminded me damien of when um when amelie was uh, not even a few days not even like a day or so old um she uh had uh, jaundice which i think is not unusual for for um, little ones and um and so she had to go in this like this little kind of like uh sun lamp type thing um to get her first little tan um, and the nurse, you know, the classic way that they play things down. Oh, she's got to wear this little mask and we've got to make sure it stays on because she might go blind. Um, so we'll see you later. Well, well, can you go back and tell me about the going blind bit? <laughs> Just, yeah. So I, so I, I, I said, right, I'm, I am staying and I am not leaving. And I, I spent the entire night um, just sat there and checking like every five minutes if this mask had moved or not. And it probably was fine, it, but... It, that that reminded me there that yeah you can't just tell me no. that it's going to be fine. I I am now I am I am now oh, bear with me. I'm now a parent and um, I uh, and I have to uh, to deal with this and um, be responsible for this small being who's yeah. wearing this weird little mask in a sun lounger. Um, I, yeah. I had a similar experience when uh, my daughter was born. Um, she wouldn't latch properly. And as it turns out, she had an undiagnosed tongue tie, so she couldn't feed. And so we took her to hospital literally after day one, after home birth, um, because she was shaking. It's because she wasn't getting enough uh, milk. And uh, they kept her overnight with mum. And they're like, I'm sorry, but we don't have facilities for dads. Um, and so there's not really a lot you can do. It's like, well, there's no way I'm leaving my newborn child. So I took off my jacket, rolled it up, put it on the floor and slept on the hospital floor overnight. There was nothing in that world that was going to make me leave that room. Mm. So, you know, watching that baby go into that basically coffin, I was terrified for it. All right. Mm. The thing that really got me, so my daughter's only two, but just that 
where their youngest is taken on the bridge. Oh my God, it ripped my heart out of me. I know that, you know, Matt hasn't got any kind of soul or anything. So <laughs> was Shots fired. Affected by it. he wanted it to happen to all of them. Oh my God. I was just, I was just, oh my goodness. I just, and, I put myself in their shoes and just sat there and was like, oh my God, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. And I felt exactly the same at that point. Um, I just wanted that point, that 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 feeling to repeat throughout the film because mm. I, I, the the rest of the film I felt felt was was a void. Vo there was no emotion for the rest of the film oh. for me. So do that you think point there was was the 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 pinnacle of of emotion in the whole? I was film. just about to ask. Do you think that because of the really strong beginning, that's where it peaked and it never really got there again? For for me, it was yeah. Like Andy says, that was I I my jaw was open. I was oh my god. Oh wow, that kid's yeah, Jeez. and maybe maybe, maybe that is the so, problem is that it peaks there and it never really gets to that kind of jeopardy again uh, for for a lot of people because they've already kind of done the worst thing that they can do. They killed off a four year old child. And just kind of sort of segueing then onto because we don't see much of what happens, hmm. but what were your opinions on the monster, the alien, as we went through the film? And um, what did you think? So I, I, this is something that I really, um, I'm scared of things I can't see, mm. right? So for me, do you guys remember the film Jeepers Creepers? Yes. Right, so I, I went to the cinema. There was a huge group of us from school, went to go see it in the cinema. And that film for the first 20 minutes is actually really quite scary because all this stuff is happening. You don't know what's doing it. As soon as you can see the monster and you realize it's a physical being, it's not scary anymore. And so I felt the same in this film where as soon as I got that lovely shot, and it is a beautiful shot of that creature, um, I, don't get me wrong, I love the film. But for me at that point, I go, yeah, yeah I'm not scared of this anymore. It's, I think it's why things like Jaws and Alien mm -hmm. are so successful because they don't show you right. too much. I Alien is an excellent example, yeah. exactly that. And I think that here, for a really long, they put off showing you that monster for a really long time. But when they did show it to you, you saw it and it just looked like every other alien you've ever seen in any other film. The actual yeah. the scary thing could have been, we don't ever see this thing. And actually, yeah. because it travels so fast, mm. we don't need to see it. But then again, it's the payoff factor, isn't it? It's like, because it's a Hollywood film, you have to draw a conclusion. Exactly. And to be fair, the ending for me, it was, it was badass. I mean, overall, I enjoyed it, but it felt like a very trite Hollywood ending. You know, Emily Blunt's there, cocks the shotgun, right, let's go and do this. I'm like, where did that mentality come from? It's like, this has been a, not even a slow burner because it actually, the pace of this, I thought was quite quick they don't really linger too much other than at the beginning where they're showing you how they live um but right at the end it was it was literally like something out of any other hollywood film which isn't to say that i necessarily didn't like it because watching emily blunt go badass is always a good thing but it felt really out of place and i think a lot of that was because like you said andy you've seen the creature your fear of it's kind of gone it's like oh, okay yeah. I definitely thought I definitely thought there was some some trade-offs as I mentioned earlier this was the, the the creature was probably the biggest thing for me that they I wanted to see as little of the monster as possible as for as long as possible um 
and the what the thing that I didn't like, and I don't know how else you'd do this, but I didn't like the shots of the monster utilizing its giant ear, so yeah. to speak. I felt yeah. that was very on the nose. Mm-hmm. It was like this is what the monster does. Here's yeah. its giant ear and how it works. Yeah. Um, and 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 that yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how you'd you'd get round that, but I wanted just more of the monster in the shadows. I was kind of thinking of Stranger Things and the, the, the right. Demogorgon, and how even when they did show the Demogorgon in some of the earlier episodes, it was very um, strobe lighting, and uh, you still didn't get a full look. You, you it was more the sounds that it made. That's, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of kind of parallels. The one shot I did really like because it wasn't a jump scare because it was just creepy was when Emily Brunt reached down to pick up the, the yes. box yeah. and then the face appears with it at the same time. Um, I just, I like the fact that they didn't go for a jump scare at that point. They just went for something very kind of slow and mm. yeah, that, that I thought was very good from my perspective. I thought it was one of the most effective shots is like the, the room that Emily Blunt is in starts to fill with water um, and so it, it's flooded and she goes to grab the baby and then first off you see the alien s- literally just so gracefully slip into the water mm-hmm. no air bubbles no nothing so it doesn't give its position away and just as you described when she picks a baby up the head rises out of the water and you're literally face to face i thought that was really really good i i felt like we again like mirroring everyone where everyone else has said that we saw far too much of the monster um what we did see though it it looked bloody impressive and and some of them sounds it made were were fantastic the sound design for this whole film was oh my goodness Um, of course we had it cranked up so we could hear the 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 small sounds within the film and jeez the sound of that i don't think i I don't think the alien was that impressive i thought the alien for me it felt like a real rip-off of and we're calling it an alien we call it a monster because we don't know but for me, it felt like um, a ripoff of Alien. Mm. It looked. Oh. Like, who's the guy who designed all the Alien stuff? I want to call him Geiger. Geiger, Geiger. is Geiger. Isn't Geiger. Yeah. yeah. It felt like an HR Geiger ripoff. It felt like a cheap version of that. Now, the Alien for me is the my least favorite part of this whole film. Yes. I, you know, I I love the film. I thought it was brilliant. But for me, that that's my biggest bugbear. Don't show me the Alien or monster, whatever you want to call it, when it's I didn't think it was that impressive. I thought it was really cheap and boring, actually. When I saw yeah. it, the first thing I was reminded of, which has already been alluded to today, was Stranger Things. Um, mm. And because I thought it looked so very similar to that, that um, it almost felt completely uninspired in terms of its design. It's like they'd focused so much on, okay, so how is it going to hear everything? Well, we've got these really cool flaps that open up on its head, et cetera, et cetera. And so, okay, so what about the rest of it? I just take it from wherever it doesn't matter. (laughs) And that is what it felt like. And I think, you know, when we look at this, um, a quiet place too, I think we're going to see so much of this fricking alien. We might not, they might, they might prove us wrong, but I I just think that. Although if they do with this franchise, because let's face it, it's probably going to be a franchise now. I mean, two doesn't make a franchise, but it does make a property. Um, They might end up, although the trailers don't make it feel like it, they may do an Alien and an Alien 2. The first one was a horror, second one's action. They're not even the same genre, which yeah. I'm not necessarily against if they do it well, because Alien and Aliens 
both amazing films, both completely different genres. Mm. But they did, I think, still in Aliens, they did pull back and you still didn't get to mm. the actual alien and the actions. We had still had a load of build-up. So I'd hope, yeah. I'd like... I'd like to think that they would um, uh, take that kind of approach um, with the uh, with with the second one as well, if if um, if that's the way um, if that's the way they're going to go. Uh, mm. But yeah, I, I I think I'd agree. I think you know again trade offs. They maybe thought maybe there's the thinking again. This is t- playing to a mainstream audience, and we have to go do a yeah. bit more of that. But I would have liked to have seen a lot less on the on the the, the note about the sound design though as well. I am. Um, I did again, and this is again, you, I think was a good approach with the concept. I did enjoy the waterfall scene with yes. the father and son because it was not only was it like, okay, so we're understanding about the limitations of the creatures and, and just the sound of the sound of a waterfall is just a amazing sound, regardless whether it's just, I don't know. Um, but the fact that there was a kind of like a bonding moment that they had there that they could actually, he the, it was almost that there was this whole that obviously this whole thing of you know why isn't he taking his daughter why is he taking his son and i think he wanted to have some time with his son and this was something he could give him in a way that they could spend time together and actually speak and, and have this this moment together um so i again i thought that was something where you know a really important a really uh, i guess high quality element of the filmmaking again played into the overall concept as well I agree. At that, that point in the film, I just felt like I just I just thought, why why don't they live next to the waterfall? Why haven't they built a hut there and they could talk? Yeah, and they, it would have been they, safer. They... Well, again, one of my, one of my critiques would be that they were living, and uh, uh, this is quite poignant because I was thinking like living their best lockdown life. You know, if you if you take Instagram or Facebook for anything at the moment, you kind of think you know there's yeah. people out here that have, I don't know rebuilt their entire house and have grown a vegetable garden and lost five stone and all this sort of thing and i did look at them and i think they are literally maxing out on this they knew exactly what to do they've got all their little seeds and herbs in in mason jars um so i think matt i think we can we can trust that i can't remember the character's name but john krasinski's character he knew that the best place to live was in the corrugated iron shed (laughs) not by the not by the waterfall He's a man of he's a man of the earth. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, go for I, Andy. Sorry. Just as quickly, I wanted to just address Millicent Simmons, the the girl who plays the oldest daughter. Yeah. Or the daughter. Um. So she is deaf in real life. Yes. And the whole production, when I was looking at this, the whole production of this were they brought on someone who did American Sign Language, and so all of the American Sign Language within it is is genuine American sign language, mm. as you like. Um, but one of the things that I read about was about how they weren't going to add um, subtitles for the sign language, right? I'm and they would did the kind of context for it. Um, so you just kind of get the gist of it, whatever. But actually they decided that those, it was such an important moment between her and John Krasinski or Emily Blunt or whoever. And so they, they decided to put subtitles in. What do you think? Mm. Do you think that was a good thing or a bad thing? I, I would have liked, I'd like to see a, a, a cut of that film without the, the subtitles, I think. It, it would add, it would add an, uh, a, 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 in fact, I think it would probably add more emotion into to the film. I think you're right. And I, I'm with you on that. And I think that 
that perhaps is a is something that was pandering to the mainstream in that sense where you know you've got hollywood audience who are going to watch this and they're going to want to understand what's going on the whole time if this had been a truly independent film i don't think we would have seen those subtitles um, I think we would have just been expected to draw from the emotion of, of what was happening. And I think we could have. I think as as, as viewers, we, we we could have worked out what was going on. One She's of the so I was going to say, one of, the, one of the notes that I made, it was one, two, three, four, five, six. My seventh note that I made about this film, it was quite simply, the emotion is so on point through the acting that you never, ever needed the voices. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I think that, yes, I probably would have struggled in terms of it might have taken me out because I don't understand what's going on in terms of reading or hearing. But because the acting from everyone in this, I literally like Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, both the children. I thought the acting was so on point that the emotion came through in everything they did. Their facial features, the way they held their bodies, their actions. I thought it was so strong, even without talking. So yeah, I think I may have had trouble accessing the film from a personal standpoint, but I don't think I would have had any trouble understanding the emotions of the scenes and what was going on. Right. I I would probably I probably disagree. Um, I I was I was pleased that they the subtitles were there. Uh, I don't think it would have worked without them. I think there were some nuances to, especially with the relationship between the father and the daughter that we we needed to know that he was trying to fix everything that that's his job in the story is trying to try and fix everything and that she was rejecting his approach to dealing with the death of the 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 um their son and i think really the 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 kind of the whole thing of the film is that you know we've had this tragedy we're all trying to deal with it now we have this new life and we're desperately going to protect it um and it's interesting because there was a there's a video game and i think it may have been called the quiet man or something like that that came out a few years back that um was it was a, essentially kind of like a, a terrible sort of beat em up type noir thing where the main character was deaf and the 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 approach they took was to have no no um no sound for dialogue and no um subtitles which made absolutely no sense <laughs> because you were playing as that character Right. So he knew what other people were saying because he could lip read and that characters were using sign language. So the massive critique of this was it makes absolutely no sense. This gimmick that you've given us doesn't work. And then a few days later, the, the creator was like, aha, well, now that you've experienced this, I will give you the second chapter, which was the same game, but with subtitles. Um, so I think people have attempted it and it hasn't worked. And I think for me personally, because where it is kind of like where you, where do you see yourself in the movie are you are you a completely uh sort of i don't know uh kind of are you as the, the viewer just kind of sat there taking everything in completely with no with no understanding or are you seeing more into these characters lives um uh, because if you are you need to be able to get a bit more of a flavor um, uh, when it comes to the dialogue. So that was that was my thought when it came to the choice to put those subtitles in. It makes sense. And I don't think it would have made anywhere near 340 million had the subtitles not been there because it wouldn't think, have been accessible. I think you're right. Now, one of the uh, one of the things I want to talk about is because this film is, 
from what I've read, has been criticized a little bit because it's basically ABC of storytelling, beginning, middle and end. Everything is done by the book because it's a first time writer, first time director. But one of the things that I really appreciated and absolutely love, but they, I think they may have repeated it a few too many times, although it might have been the fact that I was looking out for it, is, is the concept of Chekhov's gun or plant and payoff. So there were quite a few moments in this where they, they, they paid off what I felt was absolutely everything. I didn't know if I'd missed anything, but I just, it got to the point where it was happening so often. I was like, oh yeah, yeah so that's going to do something and that's going to do something and that's going to do something. So for instance, when they're talking about the fact that um, they're near the waterfall, you know, if there's a louder noise nearby, then it's absolutely fine. And obviously that pays off with the fireworks when Emily Blunt's giving birth. Fastest birth ever. Um, you haven't, then, you haven't you haven't met my wife you haven't seen my wife love you for saying that <laughs> it's in I, the family might, i might cut that out for your safety <laughs> no 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 leave it in i'm feeling brave <laughs> you've, got, you've got the fireworks which again pays off and you've got the probably the longest standing one is the nail that gets that comes up in the steps and obviously it gets stepped on which is awful you've got the cochlear implant that doesn't work but for some reason she never takes it off and she never turns it off and so that pays off so it's like they're lit they're 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 peppering not littering because actually i think it really helps the film sometimes they're peppering the film with all these things that they set up and then they knock them down like dominoes boom 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 boom, and they pay them all off which is as as much as i appreciate that it did actually feel a little bit like uh, story by numbers. Yeah, I I thought that that the, this element of the film was was awful. Every time one of them was paid off, oh here we go. All oh, right, there's the nail. Oh, it's the hearing aid. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if you guys have have have, have uh, if I've made myself clear. I I found this movie quite dull, <laughs> and <laughs> the, them aspects didn't didn't help. That's fair. That's completely fair. And again, I think this film is going to be divisive. I think it's going to split because it doesn't really fit into a particular genre. It doesn't really follow a particular code. But what it does do is it shows what you can do with, again, a kind of a story by numbers format. It does ABC. It does Chekhov's gun. It does everything it's supposed to do. Do we feel then that this is even even with the death of a child at the beginning, as tragic as that is, is this film too safe? Does it by the book? I I I did think that there was there was a, the kind of the foreshadowing was maybe overused. Um, there was almost an element of like where I knew that the nail scene was coming because someone mentioned to me or I'd maybe seen a clip of it. And so my question more then was, how are they going to set it up? Mm. How does someone end up standing on the nail? Um, uh, and, and, but then thinking back, there were some that actually were quite maybe more poignant, like the, the this scene when they come across the man in the woods who essentially commits suicide by drawing a creature. Um, yeah. And that is very, very much foreshadowing for um, John Krasinski's character the way that he sacrifices himself um, later on in the film. So there was some, sometimes that it worked and then there were other elements. I, I, I think um, like maybe where you think, oh, so for example, um, the daughter 
and the cochlear implant, you think, oh man, if you just worked out just a bit sooner, like you'd had enough nudges by that point. Like yeah. my, my wife was like, her dad would still be alive. Come on, stupid girl. She should have worked that out before. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she had to work it out at the end. So, they, 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 they. so there, was a, there was kind of a, maybe an, a, a few elements of sort of, yeah, just doing, running the playbook of, of this is how we make stories work for Hollywood movies. I liked it. But like I said, I'm a simple being, so <laughs> I love John Krasinski, so I'm sold. <laughs> mm. And I I'd say I like the ending. Um I um I uh, um that resonated with me. I like I like it even if it's a simple Hollywood unresolved ending of yeah, of Emily Blunt, you know, yeah, cocking the shotgun. I got no oh. problem with that. I was I was very happy with that. Matt Matt wasn't. I'm going to say my like wife looked Matt. at you and went, "Thank God that's over." Oh. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that ending because it, it was very Hollywood in what was otherwise a not massively Hollywood film, really. Uh, small budget. I'm, I get the impression that he was allowed to do within reason what he wanted. Oh, and. Actually, that reminds me, I did actually look up what the rating was, and it is a 15, in spite of the lack of blood gore language and nudity. But it says, while the BBFC guidance at 12A allow for moderate threat and horror, the sustained nature of the threat in the film invests it with a dark, ominous tone that registered too strongly for 12A and determined the film's 15 rating. So it has nothing to do with what you see and everything to do with the continued threat through the film. So yeah, it was a 15. Right. Which is, again, very risky for this type of film, but I'm imagining that's why it had such a low budget of 17. Yeah, and I think most people who watch this film aren't going to watch it in a cinema. No, but I did, and I'm really glad I did, because it I gives you a heck of a different experience, I'll tell you that. Wish I had. So I think, and does anybody want to bring anything else to the table before we, because obviously we, we know how Matt feels, but we're still going to go through that. Because um, I, 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 I genuinely, I would really like to hear specifically like what, what, what it is that Matt didn't like about it. Because I think I could very easily get on board with a lot of it because, and I'm not going to say too much now, but does anybody want to say anything else specifically about the film before we wrap up today? Uh, can we push Matt out of this conversation before we get to that bit? Because I, <laughs> I don't want him to sully this film's name with any. It's not the film you're invested in, Andy. <laughs> we don't have to agree every time. It's okay. It's okay. 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 I'll take it. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, okay, in which case, so uh, what we do, although I've forgotten, uh, Sam, you go last, don't you? Because it's your film, so you get the last say. So I'll tell you what, let's, let's put Andy and Matt against each other. Andy, go for it. Right, so I love this film. I think this film is really nice, easy watch. I don't think there's anything too stressful about watching it. I think if you've got one film you're going to watch in the week that you're going to think about and talk about afterwards, this film is it. It's different enough to be interesting, but it's familiar enough to be interesting um i think this is a great film i highly recommend it i think the performances are wonderful i think despite what other people have said i think the story is wonderful um the only thing i think that lets this film down is when you see those aliens and you can have a little giggle to yourself and say they look stupid let's carry on with the story uh, but i i adored this film matt take it away <laughs> 
So I'll, I'll start by saying I, I agree, Andy, that the acting in this film was superb. And uh, I think that was its only redeeming merit. I thought this, this, the storyline was uh, predictable and full of, full of cliches. It, it, uh, it peaked too early. It, it lulled me into a false sense of security, thinking it was going to be some kind of um, uh, gore fest, when, when in reality we didn't see many people get actually killed. Um, and characters were just, there was no character development at all. And I was just bored throughout. Um, I had, had in my notes actually, watch watch Alien instead. So I, I can't remember who made that comparison. Um, but yeah, watch, watch Alien instead if you haven't seen that. This this is, this is, uh, this, this, I'm rambling. I'm going to stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, when I think that the the acting of this is absolutely phenomenal, and I think we're going to get that a lot today. It's already been echoed twice. As I mentioned in my notes, I thought that even though I'm glad there were subtitles, if you removed them, I thought that the emotion and everything that came through through the sheer power of the acting alone was phenomenal. I absolutely loved the setup of the environment. If you just take it as that, it's like, okay, so they're in the middle of the woods. They're in this uh, massive place, uh, a farm. They've got lights that set up as um, kind of like a, a way of communicating. You know, the white lights are on, the red lights are on. You know, white lights are good, red lights, uh, shit's going down. Um, I also think that what they've been able to do with regards to creature design, like the way they made it look, given that they've only got a $17 million budget, which I know is not small money, but it is compared to other films. There are multi-million dollar films, like $50 million plus, whose aliens don't look as good as this one does. Although I think that the overall design is uninspired. I was reminded of the Demigorgon and I wish they'd done something a bit different. When I went to the cinema to see this, it was like no other experience that I'd ever had in a cinema before. It was incredibly quiet and insanely tense. But because this is parents watching at home, given that it doesn't know where to place itself, it uses not cliches, but it uses basically a handbook of how to write a film and it ticks all the boxes as it goes. It has an incredibly strong start and I think it kind of peters out and never reaches that peak again. I found it very moving at the cinema, but I can't recommend it for home viewing. And when I came in here today, I was sat on the fence and I didn't know which way I'd go. But I think that if you're going to sit at home and watch this, you're really missing out. This is something you had to watch at the cinema. And so because of all of that, I can't recommend it. I'm sorry. And that hurts me a little bit because I personally enjoyed it at the cinema. And I think that's why I watched it four times because I was looking for that enjoyment again and I never found it. So yeah, that's me. Uh, Sam, Your before Andy kills Andy, me, sorry. let's move on. <laughs> Bomb, bombshell from Damien there. Wow. I am gonna I am gonna say that I I really enjoyed this. I I like this kind of movie. Um I like a, a good there are enough terrible 
uh, execution of concepts out there you know what if this happened or that happened and then it's just just really poorly done in comparison to this where I felt like there was some real loving attention to some of the smaller details that, that built the world and just were really nuanced I thought the, the performances were fantastic uh, it, it did make me as we've discussed it made me really think about you know how I would feel when how I would approach those situations as a as a, as a parent um Mark, yep, I have some gripes with maybe the choice of how they dealt with the monster and um, how they presented it and maybe made some trade-offs there. But actually, I really enjoyed this. Um, I would, um, I would, yeah, I'm going to go for just a, a solid recommendation. I enjoyed it. I would recommend it to other people to, to watch. So it's a thumbs up from me. Outstanding. So that's two for two. And a very disappointed looking Andy. I'm sorry, dude. Oh, don't be sorry. I, I actually, I'm really pleased that it wasn't uh, unanimous in that, that I think had you all come in with the same perspective as me, it would have been a very boring discussion. <laughs> but actually, I think that it's really good that we, we mm. can see things from different perspectives. Um, yeah, which is great, which is really good. Outstanding. So, gentlemen, a uh, bit of a wrench. What is it that we're going to be doing next podcast? For anybody who's listening, what is it they can listen or, or look forward to? Because I know oh, that we've all got our picks, but which one have we decided for next week? Have we? Um, uh, who, who, who are we going with next week? Should we do mine next week? Go for it. What was yours? In which case, next week or next episode, because we don't always do these at the same kind of time, uh, we are going to be doing Old Guard with Charlize Theron. Right. Uh, brand that's new on Netflix. The only one of these that I've not seen. So that's... Oh, outstanding. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do that next time. I know that's incredibly professional to decide that lied on the pod. Uh, <laughs> and it will, it will probably make the cut as well. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, another one I know nothing. I'm going to be going blind into this. I'll try and avoid brilliant. the trailers. Brilliant. And I, I've watched it twice, but that means nothing because I'd watched this one five times and I still didn't recommend it. Um, now, uh, before we skedaddle today, Andy, where can you find us? Uh, so we are all over Facebook. We are on YouTube. We are on Instagram. Parents on Pictures podcast. Give us a shout out. Let us know what you're up to. Let us know what you think about what we're up to. Tell us how dreadfully unprofessional we are. But get on YouTube and see our lovely faces. Three of us have beards. Damien's trying. Um, hey, I cut my <laughs> 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 um, I don't like you know. it too long. It gets itchy. Oh, diddums. Um, so get online. Give us a shout out. Let us know what you want us to do. Because actually some months, we're, some months, some weeks were stuck for films. So if you've got yeah. something you want us to have a chat about get on there and let us know we'd, we'd love to hear your recommendations 100 percent. and if you want to find us in terms of audio obviously this is a podcast as well as a was it vlog do they call it what it, vodka i don't know what they call it these days video vodka. whatever it's not vodka no, vo vodka <laughs> vod vod vodka you got some vodka um you can also find us <laughs> audio form on uh, again parents of pictures podcast but we we're hosted on anchor fm but we're also on spotify and itunes as well to be perfectly honest with you because we're on those three places most uh podcast applications will find us you just got to type in parents at pictures podcast and you'll see well andy's uh, logo design hey. i like it i think it's awesome um so yes before we uh, say goodbye well actually no forget that uh ladies and gentlemen everybody say bye now bye bye now bye bye, bye.